Songizomabeke on SAFM. We're back. We're live. We're on SAFM. The time is 20.44. I think I can call him a friend. Difficult as he might be to track down. That's why we didn't have the conversation with him first up. But hey, he's a man of many talents. His time is very spread. And everybody wants a piece of him. Mr. Selo Atank. Good evening. CEO, Nelson Mandela Foundation. Mr. Atank, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good evening, sir. I can yes, how, how are you, my dear brother? I'm fine, thank you. So how are you? Good, thank you. I, 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 I can claim you as a friend and a brother. So. <laughs> you know how to butter me up. This is now you trying to say sorry for not being available at 20. That's me saying I'm really sorry because my, my battery died, so apologies. No, we do. <laughs> I anticipated something like that would be the case. But we've got 15 minutes. Let's make it count. And the obvious thing is the recent announcement I mean, you don't get a better coup than this. Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley, 20th Nelson Mandela Annual Lecture Speaker. That is just a coup, even if I say so myself. Yeah, yeah we, we believe so too. And uh, thank you for recognizing that. Because for us, um, it's one of those moments where we can again say as South Africa, um, we, we have a great country. When we spoke to her office, uh, they said um, she had been turning down many offers for speaking. And when the letter from our board chair, Professor Njabulon Debele, came through, she said, this one I'm doing. And I think it, uh, it's kudos to South Africa, it's kudos to the name we work for, Nelson Mandela, but also kudos for the kind of subject matter we want to deal with, climate change. Now, she's obviously a champion, not just in her own right, but a global champion, particularly from climate change perspectives. And of course, I don't want to limit the conversation about this Mandela month to Mia Motley and specifically what she certainly rose to start on very recently on. But I think her message to global leaders and how she was able to stand up to them at the last climate conference is precisely the sort of leadership that this world these days needs, where truth is spoken to power unlike perhaps traditions of diplomacy before where the issue takes time to actually be raised as the issue, more particularly crisis-based issues as climate change is. What would have informed Nelson Mandela Foundation in confirming the guest of this kind who already merits such applause, especially from the global community? You know, I... uh, I I, I must say, I'm really proud of the board that uh, I, I work for as the CEO, the board that uh, is visionary in its approach to issues, um, intractable issues that are affecting not just Southern Africa, South Africa, or the continent but of the world, Africa, yeah. but it affects the world. And, uh, and consistently, we bring out leaders who match the kind of values that we want to espouse, but also the kind of solution-oriented lectures that uh, kind of comes up with uh, sometimes loose threads that you can then be dealing with, but in most instances, it gives you at least a sense that we, we're trying to find solutions to these intractable problems. So what informed it was uh, even before the flood, um, the decision was taken, as you can imagine, the decision was taken uh, uh, sometime last year already um, that uh, that's the next lecturer. And, uh, and when that call was made, we then uh, uh, approached the office and uh, the confirmation came through early this year uh, to say that's the person who would, uh, that she accepted the, 
the um, the request for her to speak. So what informed it was more about what are the current intractable problems that we can add our voice to, and climate change, uh, food security, and also issues generally of how we treat the environment. After COVID, uh, hit us to to kind of teach mm. us that we were not on the right track in terms of dealing with the uh, how with how we deal with the world with uh, the environment, and that's what then informed that decision. A great decision it was indeed. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to require please to respond on the other side of the ad break that we have to take now. But the Nelson Mandela Day goals for the next decade, 2019 to 2029, in which we're just about nearly halfway through, are fundamental issues to which you made reference earlier on, not just South African issues, but global issues, fundamental. But certainly in the South Africa case, I think this is where now we seriously need to engage this question because... However it has it has been occasioned, these are now threatening the very foundations of our democracy, education and literacy, food and nutrition, shelter, sanitation, active citizenship. I mean, we saw how state capture was able to thrive. We're simply individuals, citizens, me and you, and just ordinary people are just not engaging sufficiently with issues of public interest and public Affairs. Now, these are the goals that, for the next 10 years, Nelson Mandela Day goals are predicated on. Talk to us about the importance of these issues, because I'm even minded to reflect on the eminent words of the late Archbishop Desmond Dutu, who says, the price for freedom, dear friends, is eternal vigilance. And I that in this context look at these and say, we can't ever take our eye off the ball irrespective of how ordinary, basic or mundane certain entry points that give us the credibility of a democracy as education, food, shelter, sanitation, and just citizens who are active. Please walk us through that after the break. Mr. Hatang, CEO of the Nelson Mandela Foundation, talking to us about July, Nelson Mandela month, Nelson Mandela's birth date, and of course what Nelson, what Mandela Day in this context as we look to be more post-COVID heralds for the South African and global society. Everybody, please stay tuned and more importantly participate. Johannesburg 714-2006-0614-104-107, the letter for WhatsApp. Song is on my back there on SAFM. We are back, we are live, the production team is smiling, I love that. Mr. Hatang, your thoughts, please. And, and, and whilst you're giving your thoughts, I, I do confirm that, Mike, I do see you, but I just want Mr. Hatang to respond to the decade of education and literacy, food and nutrition, shelter, sanitation, and active citizenship, the Nelson Mandela Day goals. You know, one of the things that we, when we came up with these uh, goals was um, to try and um, deal with issues that uh, are making it more and more difficult for us to build a more equal world. You and I have, on many, many occasions, started off talking about how, uh, how to build a more equal world. And unfortunately, inequality continues to be a bugbear for us as a, as a nation, but globally. And uh, for as long as there are people who are vulnerable to, to poverty in all its forms, poverty and, uh, and, uh, and uh, food insecurity, we must try our best to address those. And that's why these goals you'll see that they are addressing issues that they are about making sure that we build a more equal society. And if it, for as long as you have a Michael Mape, who then died in a, in a pit latrine, and today we're still being told that we can only achieve a pit latrine free world 
in the next so many years, it must then mean that we must do more to try prevent another um, uh, Michael Komate from dying uh, in a pit latrine. For as long as there's uh, uh, children who are dying um, uh, because of uh, uh, hunger, just uh, hunger pangs that make them, uh, uh, as, as uh, Professor Tulima Donzela says, hungry people are, are, tend to then be angry people. And I think that kind of uh, anger is what we then need to be preventing. And these issues are trying to deal with precisely that. And isn't it just unfortunate that when we talk about Michael Mabe, unfortunately, what his death has come to symbolize has now morphed into that of Kaile Tumagadla, who was playing in Soweto mid-last month. Yep. His body recently recovered simply because the public infrastructure doesn't sport, if you will, the kind of integrity that, first of all, provides safety, the services for which it is designed, but also speaks to the integrity of governance and service delivery and the public edifice of our institutions and what makes up institutions. And of course, now we know, we know unequivocally that if that doesn't happen, the integrity of state institutions and systems that are functional, frankly, it is deadly, Butsello. You know, you know one of the sad things about uh, that passing is to hear that uh, these Nyope boys um, these uh, uh, guys who take um, the manholes mm-hmm. for scrap metal mm. are at the heart of the death of that uh, of that young man of that child. Mm. And I, I I I say this because in part we can talk about the rule of law and blame the police. And in in other parts we need to then also be saying how are we complicit in making this continue. Because uh, it, uh, it's, uh, there's one person who knows that boy who came and uh, removed that manhole, and no one reported it. Or if they did, the police just thought it's just we've normalized crime and the rule, lack of the rule of law to an extent that um, we then just let these things go until a child dies. Similarly, with the death of the 21 children in, uh, or young people in, um, in, in the Eastern Cape, it's a similar thing. It starts with uh, an uncle sending a child to go buy alcohol. Um, and uh, that place becomes a place of familiarity to a child, mm. a child's mind, because their minds are just sucking whatever they've been given as normal. Next thing we are surprised when children then have found a home, a refuge in an, in an alcohol um, establishment. And then once a disaster strikes, where was God? Sometimes our complicity needs also to be acknowledged and reckoned with. Sure. No, this is true. Mr. Salatang, spitting fire. Very true at that. Mike in Newlands, your thoughts, please. Good evening. Welcome back, Mike. Sure. Hi, Sengeza. Thanks so much. Yeah, and to your guest, I have to say, you say, spitting fire and rightly so. The last time I had the privilege of speaking to your guest, I quoted three examples to Americana, the Guptas, and Esa Domeni. Um, and the reason I quoted them was because I put it to him that I do not believe that Nelson Mandela would be a member of the ANC anymore. I'm saying that because I want to score political points. But I think the time has come where we need to separate the country from the gangsters in the ANC and the real ANC that used to be. Now I can add to Marikana, Guptas, and Estes I can I can add the fact that our president hides 
dollars in his furniture, he lies to us, as you say. Put the twins. He promised to eradicate them by 2020. We still have them. We have children, as you rightly say, are dying. 90 children a month die in our country from hunger. And I want to hear your institute, sir. I want to hear it speak up. I want to hear it speak out. In fact, I think, in a sense, you've taken the easy way out. You unforget the show, you speak out, and it's, it's wonderful to hear your your, your firm and, and obvious discussions to where we are. But I think we need to go a step further. I think your institute needs to go public. It needs to separate itself from the ANC publicly, and it needs to speak out more loudly against the crimes committed against our people. I always think of Chris Harney, and you're, I'm not going to quote the whole thing to you, but basically he was saying what he feared was the liberators would be driving Mercedes-Benzes and living in palaces. Well, that's where we are today in South Africa, and I believe Nelson Mandela would want your institute to speak out loudly against the ANC and its crimes against the people. Thanks so much, Songeso. Now, Mike is spitting fire. Bracello, your response. Well, I, I think uh, Mike um, would have seen, uh, if uh, he follows our work, that uh, we've never been cowed down to not saying what needs to be said. Uh, but um, uh, it would be uh, mistaken also to think that the Nelson Mandela Foundation is the ANC. We don't have to publicly separate ourselves because we've never been part of the ANC. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to, to then uh, be coming out about uh, on that one. But it's important that we also say that uh, as an institution, we've always tried to stand on the side of the citizens, to say that where wrong is being done, we've come out every time consistently to say that wrong is, has been done here. No, without fear or favor. Final caller this evening, and he literally has 30 seconds because he called it two minutes ago. Sydney in Akonok. Sydney. Hey, Brother Songezo, it's very Sydney, the neighbor in Akonuk, Park Ridge. Very short, Brother Songezo. In our national quest to find leadership or leaders with integrity, Silohatang is among one of the best. He's not just a, a contemporary politician or a politician of note, but this conduct in our country tells me he can be among those who can lead our country in, in integrity, as I can include him amongst uh, politicians such as Pakamila uh, Shuvmajola. I can imagine this if we can have Sulhatang in one of our cabinets. Believe me, in the ministry that can hold, things can go well. He is such a man I truly trust Thank that you. he can run. I believe you. In my country. Yes. I believe you. Many who work with him believe you. I don't think he believes you. That's why he's not where you suggest he should be. Tate Hatang, your response. I am really gratified by that, uh, but I think um, uh, we also need people in the NGO space outside of uh, state structures to also help build society outside of the state structures. I know that you are one of those voices that have been trying to 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 influence me towards that direction. <laughs> I, I think uh, this is a, a call that was set up. Uh, for me to also keep thinking about it. Don't so blame me you. for that one. I beg your pardon. <laughs> As I do beg your indulgence, one final question, please, Grechos. Mr. Hatank, Mandela Day 2022 and beyond. Perhaps can I just ask this question? How do we ensure the brand of Mandela becomes a distributed brand that is owned by South Africans and the people of the world, really, from all walks of life, such that in their everyday conduct and in their plans, be it in corporate spaces, in public spaces, or in just in civil spaces, it becomes an aspect that filters into everyday societal conduct as opposed to 
once on the 18th or for mm. a period of 30 days, 31 days in the month of July of every year. How do you ensure we distribute the brand Mandela to people? You know, one of the things that uh, we, we, we started Mandela Day for in 2009 was precisely that, to try and make the legacy more shareable, that everybody could uh, contribute towards its growth and also share it with others globally. That's why for this year, uh, the theme is uh, for us, for each one of us, to do what we can with what we have where we, we are. are. And if we are to start there to say, it's not about money, how much money you have. It's also about your time. So if you give your time, you'd be able to then be honored the legacy that way. But the second thing is, uh, you'd remember that we used to have the theme of making everyday Mandela Day. Mm -hmm. That we still live up to. And we hope that South Africans hit the call that you are making now also to say that it needs not be for Mandela Month but that every day should, we should try and conduct ourselves in a way of service and giving because we are uh, from a man who gives hope and also gives the service to others. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your thoughts. As ever, candid, even more so measured and appropriate, Mr. Selo Hadang, CEO of Nelson Mandela Foundation. The time is 21.02.43. I beg your pardon, Greg, but thanks for the indulgence nonetheless.